0: Good morning, everybody, again. um, How many people here for the first time, just to get a sense? Welcome, welcome. (laughs) Hi. Today, I want to um, continue a conversation. Sometimes dharma talks seem like they just kind of appear out of nothing, but they appear out of a context, always a conversation. Uh, either an implicit conversation we're having with our bodies or an explicit conversation we're having with each other. And the conversation can be, um, for me, much of the way that I think about conversations or hear conversations are on the community level. But there's also much wider conversations going on all the time um, that we are uh, being impacted by and impacting others. So the conversation we were having last weekend in our retreat was the idea of collective karma, particularly collective unwholesome karma. And um, so I just wanted to play with that idea from, from my positionality <laughs> and, and my thoughts and, and my feelings about it. So um, I say that because uh, This offering is not the truth of things. Uh, It's by nature limited um, by many different kinds of things that I can't see or feel or know um, because of uh, the limitations of my particular karmic embodiment. And so I offer them out to you with some humility, um, hopefully some curiosity and openness about uh, the limitations of. This perspective, but also a chance to play a little bit and and help us um, further our conversation together. And interestingly, you know, one of the, the place I want to start with actually is just the acknowledgement of where we are in our kind of cycle of nature. So Wednesday, we uh, went into the uh, spring equinox, and we had just a combination of some interesting moons. We had a supermoon, right? I don't know if you all saw, it It was really big and low on the horizon. And the uh, moon in March, and, is, and we had that full moon, that supermoon, at the same time we had the equinox. And that, um, I imagine, has some energetic potentiality in there. I think in the yogic tradition, there is a, a belief that the um, equinox, the spring equinox in particular, is the best possibility for time for transcending limitations. So this is a, could maybe be a time of possibility for us. The um, moon, the March moon is also known as the worm moon. and. So uh, everything turns to mud, <laughs> as Kristen was mentioning, for better or for worse. There's lots of little robins digging in. My dogs just love to eat the mud, and they're just full of a mud face when they get home. So there's this uh, worm moon. And it's also known as the sap moon because that's the time of the year when the um, sugar maples start to uh, offer up their sap. So um, as we uh, we feel into this energetic shift in in the cycle of life, interestingly enough, you know the other piece of it that was and and just to say also, you know what I so appreciate about ritual in our community is how it helps connect us to that wider circle. So on Wednesday night we actually also had our full moon ceremony. which I missed, unfortunately. But it's a way for us to um, feel ourselves as energetic bodies connecting to something beyond our individuality. So we had the full moon ceremony. And um, in this full moon ceremony, we we renounce our karma, we confess our karma, and we wish for ourselves to live in alignment um, with the precepts, with the way of being with each other, that offers um, a chance for us to be healing influences in the world as opposed to harming. And um, because our karma is so tenacious and so pervasive, our our harmful karma, we do this once a month. Hopefully, maybe in our hearts and minds, we do it um, several times a day. (laughs) So as this spring is coming, last night, Um, Greg and I were woken up several times by these strong winds, you know, really fierce winds. And I don't know if this is, like, it feels to me the winds are getting stronger. Uh, Again, I know March is full of wind, but it feels to me that we've had bigger and stronger and more daunting winds than ever before. And so as I think about spring and possibility, I also, the word reckoning, Keeps coming up. That we are also dealing with um, daunting national and global realities that are pervasive winds that we are always being affected by. And this collective karma that we talk about, you know, we are also reckoning with this uh, violence our country was founded on, the violence of genocide and slavery, that has been systematically reseeded and we use, we're using the word seeded in uh, connection with this karmic uh, frame of acts of body, speech, and mind that cause harm, are seeded, and bear fruit. And, um, the, the the spring possibility being sobered for me by this uh, recognition always of the climate change crisis. there was a cyclone I, I don't know if you all knew about this in the beginning of March. I brought I think a thousand people were killed and hundreds of mi- missing um, com- whole communities destroyed uh, in the African continent the So it was one of the worst cyclones um, they had ever experienced. We're also um, experiencing the worst or the most extensive and quickest die-off of species in 65 million years. There's dozens of extinctions every day. And um, according to the Center for Biological Diversity, there is a possibility that 30 to 50% of all species um, may be extinct by mid-century. So uh, we're swimming in this all the time. This is not uh, separate from us. And if our hearts are at all awake, we're feeling the pain of it. And that's actually a really good thing. Because if we feel the pain of it, it means we're still uh, responsive, uh, energetic, feeling beings that, uh, that we haven't um, completely shut down uh, to, to this, uh, to this uh, karmic pool that we're swimming in. And I think as long as our heart, and in Zen we say heart-mind, so it's, it's, an, it's, an, it's more than just the heart area, it's the heart-mind, I'd say gut, as long as we're still awake, that's still awake and, and working in our, our bodies, uh, there is from that heart-mind awareness, um, a, a desire to care for ourselves and care for each other. This is what we call this uh, bodhicitta, this awakened heart-mind that gets activated. It's actually the way we naturally are if we weren't um, so bombarded and defended because of uh, of all these harmful conditions. So I wanted to bring in this frame that I got super excited about. Uh, 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 Tom sent, it. I think Tom is here, he sent an article from this uh, uh, activist he's called this he calls himself the selfish activist actually <laughs> for reasons that I can try to explain his name is Tada Hosumi he has this uh, interesting idea of what's called this collective soma so that um, this collective harmful ca- karma which is both an obstruction as well as I think a path to our awakened heart that that it isn't just an intellectual, um, out there idea that, it, that the ways we've internalized and replicate collective harm lives in our bodies. So things like colonialism, capital, I'll just name a few <laughs> you can add on. Colonialism, capitalism, white supremacy, human supremacy, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, ageism, classism, ableism, all these kind of co- collective systems of harm. They're lived and carried out through our bodies, our minds, and our hearts, and in our relationships. So he, it's what he calls a col- cultural nervous system. You could think about, like, how hate and delusion are energetic bodies that further obscure our capacity to see and I, I I think maybe because I'm a therapist by nature a somatic therapist this just clicked for me something really clicked and it felt not abstract but lived yeah um, and Angel says that she says the tr- you know that every one of us is deeply wounded and so trauma because we're all part of this uh, and impacted by it in different ways depending on our positionality but we all are feeling the collective harm of that of those kinds of um, systems so angel says every one of us is deeply wounded and uh and that we all have work to do around this and these are, not, these are systems we've inherited. So they're not just um, in the pa- present, but they're a result of information coming into our bodies and our nervous systems that are acted out in the present, but that are also come from past. So the way Tada talks about it, he says, patriarchy, colonialism, ableism, and other forms of violence aren't, violence aren't just ideas floating in space. They are actually stuck emotional energies that are embodied as traumatized patterns in the subtle body of the cultural soma. And um, one of the reasons I appreciate this frame is that it makes sense to me. And it's a different way of of understanding my own nervous system. (laughs) All of the ways we talk about studying the self, how the self shows up as an energetic force. And the way that if we look and just take on just to play with this frame about trauma, um, when we're studying the self, we can bring this frame in and it might help us understand and maybe have some more compassion and generosity and um, capacity to work with it. So um, I would say, you know, when we're under the influence of what we would call a dysregulated nervous system, we lose contact with with each other, with what is true and what is real. And this could be very subtle or it could be extreme. It could be um, chronic or uh, an acute situation. So just for those of you who, who don't study this, here are some typical responses when we're uh, what's called dysregulated. <laughs> when we're outside of this kind of quiet, clear um, mind, uh, things feel like threats. We might um, try to control our environment because we feel threatened, right? A lot of this comes out of fear. We might have a discharged emotionality because we are, we, our bodies and minds are, are hyper-aroused and we um, don't feel... Uh, um, we don't feel connected to something that grounds us. Uh, we may feel a desire to withdraw from the environment or shut down. Our bodies might get rigid. We might stop breathing. Uh, we, might re- we might move into our head and just hyperintellectualize as a way of getting away from the pain. We might become rigid in our thinking, trying to create some control um, about what's happening so much of the time underneath that there can be tremendous amounts of shame and guilt for having the for being um it's kind of like something is happening i feel threatened i need to i need to shrink and withdraw i'm bad so i i say all this because i think it offers us the possibility that when we are negotiating um A collective environment which we're always negotiating but when we are stepping up to our our wish and our intention to not cause harm anymore we meet our intention might be I really want to be with this person and yet our nervous system is like um, is acting in all sorts of strange ways that keep us in opposition to our deepest vows and there's good reasons for that. You know, this is not just, uh, there has been harm and violence in, in, in um, so many of our experiences and our ancestral experiences. So one thing that's really helped me is to just sit, think to myself, you know, what of this response is not just mine right now? Because if we make everything individual, we are missing a whole frame that actually might help us to see more clearly and uh, we can begin to uh, discern what it is that has been given to us, what we've inherited, that, that isn't just a result of some problematic um, me. So just to play with this idea a little bit, um, you, know, you could say capitalism itself has a particular kind of energetic body, energetic quality to it, speed, competitiveness dominance exploitation individualism worth based only on what you're producing a lack of accountability for itself so if you think about this you know what are the ways that bodies respond to those kinds of feelings those kinds of um those kinds of messages and requests for, for us yeah So, in the, when uh, it could mean that our bodies are operating from our sympathetic um, dominance. You know, it's a state when we have those bursts of energy. You know, when something really dr- your child is about to cross the street, you know, or your dog, and and um, you you get this short burst of adrenaline, and then you go run and grab them and keep them and make them safe you know you have a deadline coming up at work and you just like generate all this energy not bad once in a while very useful but as a chronic way of being right What's the impact on our nervous system and then how do we actually try to recover from that it's fascinating to me people go people go out to New York City restaurants when this you know, with sound blasting out of the loudspeakers, you know, and they and they party and they want to go up, 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 you know, and this, or we, we, we get off of work and then we do, 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 or we turn on the TV and we're bombarded by violent images, which is keeping us hyper-aroused, as opposed to, uh, and this is where, uh, you know, to move to practice, you know, how do we... Um, activate our parasympathetic nervous system, how do, we, how do we move into the way of being in the world that supports a long-term low-to-moderate intensity, you know, uh, such as digesting or connecting to others in intimacy, you know? This uh, idea, people were talking about bathing, you know, doing a a, wa- a what is it? A bath, in forest bath. Right. So I would say that so much of what we're doing here in this practice of Zen, in a way you can say is allowing us to calm down enough and be clear enough to be able to be present enough to work creatively and um, skillfully with this world that we've inherited, You know, with these ways of being that have come from many different isms uh, many different painful experiences of our ancestors who have been placed into these systems, and then um, whether from a dominant position or, uh, uh, or a position of being oppressed, um, creating harm to each other and to our own bodies and minds and hearts. So uh, David Lloyd has a great article about um, karmic, social karma uh, in, the, in the current Buddha Dharma. And he says, um, when it comes to the ecological crisis, Buddhist teachings do not tell us what to do, but they tell us a lot about how to do it. And so this is what we're looking at. This is what we're doing as a community. We're learning how to do it. Uh, we don't have the answers to uh, what to do. Maybe some of us have some ideas and we'll try them out. But so much of it is about how we do it. And for me, how I do it is so much to do with the state of my own nervous system, my own energetic balance. And um, really, in a way, practice is teaching us how to be with our own bodies and and how to uh, live another way than these isms tell us we need to live. And we have to study those isms because we don't even know how much we've inherited that. And it's when we look and say, how much of this is mine and how much of this is something larger than me? You know, in our sacred feminine workshop, we really started to like, what is this that I have inherited, that I carry in my body, that I want to put down? You know, uh, men people who identify as male-bodied, looking at, like, what has patriarchy done to my capacity to be with a particular experience in a way that's non-harming. So we begin to listen to what our body needs, and this is why we center Zazen so much, because Zazen is um, one of the, I think, most powerful ways to uh, promote that parasympathetic nervous system, to have us be what we call in a window of tolerance. You know, the trauma literature is, you know, when you're in your window of tolerance, things can come at you, and you can kind of navigate them. You can play with them. You can be intimate with them. You can see what's going on with the other person. If we start to get too activated, we move into those hyperarousal things, those ways of being that are protective and defended. If that gets way too much, we then we start shutting down. <laughs> Uh, So how do we expand this window of tolerance? And the thing about practice and community is it's not like we want to just be in a safe little bubble where we don't get stimulated, because that's also problematic. That also causes harm. First of all, it's impossible. (laughs) I don't know if you've tried. I've tried for a good 50 years. (laughs) Um, And luckily, you know, those... It's almost like the whole system, the energetic collective system, is waking us up. If we've tried to find little bubbles and shut down and hide away, even if we're in denial, there is we are being acted upon. Right? This is the law of dependent co-origination. So, how do we take? How do we enter into this dance in a way in which we can work well? So, we have a lot of different practices. Uh, and you know, we just did a three day retreat and every time we do a long retreat, it, it helps me to have um, so much gratitude for uh, what zazen can offer. And in the course of two and a half days, uh, zazen in sangha, zazen or meditation, that we are sitting together in stillness in, with a, a kind of an, um, an ease that we try to create. You know, we talk about a balance between discipline and gentleness. So we sit down and we um, are held by the forums and the schedule because, you know, uh, and I need that even after 22 years. My body might get stimulated. And I wanna jump up and go, you know, uh, make a meal or something. Not that that's bad, but there is a usefulness to being held and learning for our bodies to learn what it feels like to sit and stay with pain and not just respond in those ways that um, we uh, do when we're activated. And you can feel, as in, and, and then we start to kind of be supported by the other energetic bodies in the room, always, you know, that what we could do, how many of us could sit, you know, nine or 10 periods of sitting a day. Without you know a few other bodies helping and supporting us to do that, so this creates a, a way for us to learn how to be create a different kind of nervous system and also to feel the support of other people regulating with us. You could say this is a mutual reg- regulation activity and um, David Lloyd talks about this idea of that the engaged bodhisattva path, that if we want to do this social justice work in the world from the position of a bodhisattva, that there's both inner practices and outer. And I don't know if I could divide it up that way, but just to say, so if you think about zazen as an inner practice, that's also an outer practice. We also have other practices um, that we've been talking about that help hold us in the midst of this incredible karma and um, we've been studying the paramitas, Greg's cl- and Shokoji's class. So how do we bring generosity to our nervous system? <laughs> you know, um, what do we do that can create, you know, what, how, does gener- how can we be generous with what's happening? And the, the word generosity, the act of generosity is there's a relaxation and an openness. It's the opposite of constriction, so that helps. Ethics, our, our communities and all Buddhist communities are founded on ethics. We also have created um, ethical guidelines that come out of the particular recognition of the collective karma of the bodies and minds in this um, sangha. So for me, one of them is don't create harm. So there's nothing that will constrict the nervous system than a feeling of uh, judgment disrespect, exile, domination, shaming. So we work and hold um, to an idea of how can we not be harmful to each other? How can we notice and work with those tendencies and um, do prohib- you know, prohibitive practices, like I will stay still and not respond out of my activation? Patience. This karma, these systems have been created over many generations, over many conditions. And how do we have the patience to meet each moment with that kind of um, perspective? Because patience is like the antidote to individualism. You know, It's the antidote to think we can fix and control our environment. I'm starting to recognize the profound ways that this society is ageist that is connected to capitalism you know and so then you combine you know for me gender and age and whiteness and I mean class and so you just got this whole ball of stuff you know but pulling it apart like wow you know these I'm starting to disappear here you know Uh, this is interesting and painful Um, so uh, I really wanted to talk about, I have about five minutes, the most important thing for me is community. And, um, you know, how do we create an environment that allows our nervous systems to not to relax and to be with pain, but also to be more resilient and stronger and courageous? How do we transform oppressive power into spiritual power, you could say? How do we be with and be with ourselves, be with each other in a way that allows us to let go of our defenses? And, you know, when we are looking at collective karma, to me there are some things that we learn how to do to be more skillful with those um, positions. So, for example, um, holding ourselves responsible to those on the downside of our embodiment. You know that if that there is missing information from my position as a white person that I actually can't see don't know and swimming in and trying to take responsibility for seeing but I also need information from other people about what I'm missing or how I'm creating harm and how do I create a nervous system that can see that without reflexively going into shame or guilt or some other unskillful thing that just creates more harm. Or run out the door and never come back, you know? Um, so we, are, we can do many different kinds of things to be with each other in a loving and liberated way. And we are also teaching ourselves what um, it can feel like and how do we build, and this is an organic, ever-evolving, never static, how do we build a different kind of collective karma? And this is no joke. And how, and it, it's in the details of those little tiny things that we do or don't do together. It's, to me, so much of this is framed on ritual that we can't do this without ritual because it, we're too small and puny. We need wider, and ritual to me co- connects us to something vaster. And, you know, for the, when we do the um, refuges at the end of the night, our collective voices, we feel each other, not just as this group in the room, but something even wider than that. So before I end, I wanted to read from um, a beautiful book that I love. Um, to me, it talks about our practice as, as much as any um, Buddhist book does. Uh, it's called Ritual by Maladoma Patrice somme from his West African Dagara culture, so he wrote this very generous book to uh, those who are not from his culture, and he talks about a lot about ritual and community. And he uh, spoke, speaks about what, what he thinks um, a healthy, intentional community looks like. And I think we'll hear, hopefully, uh, at least some of what we aspire to in our community. The first is unity of spirit. The community feels like an individual sense of unity. the community feels an indivisible sense of unity. Each member is like a cell in a body. The group needs the individual and the individual needs the group. And notice as I'm saying these, what happens to your own nervous system as I, as I name these qualities, you know, trust, Everyone is moved to trust everyone else by principle. There is no sense of discrimination or elitism. This trust assumes that everyone is innately well-intentioned. Openness. People are open to each other unreservedly. This means that individual problems quickly become community problems. That's good. Being open to each other depends upon trust love and caring what you have is for everybody there is a sense of sharing which diminishes the sense of an egotistic behavior to have while the others don't is an expression of your making up a society of your own respect for elders they are the pillars and the collective memory of the community they hold the wisdom that keeps the community together They initiate the young ones, prescribe the rituals for various occasions, and monitor the dynamics of the community. And I would say um, that that is an elder position, and that each person in the community is essential, and holds a position, and holds an offering. And for me, as an elder, I would say I am extremely grateful for the to use a shorthand, millennials <laughs> and others who, who add, um, and for everyone, uh, I can name a thousand different positions that add um, a collective voice, bring in a collective voice, and offer something essential. That a community that is only made up of a certain subset is an anemic community, you know? And we do this ritual at the end of every practice period where we um, offer for each kind of position in the community to speak, and when no one's speaking, we can see that there's something missing in our community. Respect for nature. Nature is the principal book out of which all wisdom is learned. It is a place where initiation happens. It is a place from where medicine comes. It nourishes the entire community. And the last is cult of the ancestors. The ancestors are not dead. They live in the spirits in the community. They are reborn into the trees, the mountains, the rivers, and the stones to guide and inspire the community. And um, what is so encouraging, and I think such an important piece when we're talking about looking at karma, is that we will never figure it out, and we'll never get it all right. And he says something else that was very encouraging. I underlined it and started. (laughs) What we need is to be able to come together with a constantly increasing mindset of wanting to do the right thing, even though we know very well that we don't know how nor where to start. So we must be willing to speak of our inabilities and our clumsiness. And our ritual must be dominated by humility. Some people call this, you know, decolonizing our minds and bodies and hearts. So, um, so as we go along, whether we're in here in this community, whether in your work community or other communities, can you, keep, can you kind of um, take a look at and feel into and just name, you know, what's going on in my nervous system right now? Am I, uh, is there some blockage somewhere? Is there a sense of ease? Am I coming from down here in my gut? Am I up here? If I am, how might I use my, my zazen um, information? Uh, you know, can I put my hands on my belly? Think of a ball, a big bright ball behind my hands, in my belly, bringing my awareness down. How do I... How do I develop a capacity to be with, with this collective whirlwind, not just of what's unwholesome, but what's wholesome? You know, for many of us, it can be equally <laughs> equally overwhelming to be loved and to be connected. You know, um, we worry about that getting taken away from us. We don't know if we can trust it. So whatever it is, um, we are being stimulated by, you know. Can we use the practice of our Zazen and of our community experience to help us um, open up to the world in a different way? So, I'm over time, yes? Yes, okay, so no time for questions, yes, no, okay. Well, (laughs) I hope somebody can pick up this conversation and we can keep having it in in all kinds of ways. And um, yes, that's it, thank you.